everyone, it's Chloe, and I'm so excited to share something fabulous with you, Vogue's first ever global fashion community, Vogue Club. Our members get to mingle with Vogue editors, yes, including me, and fellow fashion enthusiasts at exclusive events around the world. And that's just the start. Membership opens doors to the fashion industry, bringing you expert career advice and insider style and beauty tips. What are you waiting for? Head over to Vogue.com membership to join. And here's a little treat. Use code TRT20 and snag 20% off your membership. That's TRT20 for 20% off your ticket to Vogue Club. Are you in? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Shop by price, 25 and under to 100 and under, category like fragrances and handbags, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything or for grandma. Macy's has all the hottest gift ideas like Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs, and more. Go to macy's.com slash gift finder to shop. That's macy's.com slash gift finder today. Welcome, everyone. This is the Run Through with Vogue. I'm Chloe Mal. And I'm Joe Minotti. And this week we are doing something a little bit special. On Monday, we released a very close to my heart episode with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and Enid Frick, aka Candace Bergen, my mother. And we had a wonderful time talking to them about their first Vogue shoots and what it was like playing a Vogue writer and editor, and we hope that you will listen to that. But right now in this episode, we wanted to just check in and talk a little bit about all the fashion news of the week, because I feel like often June feels a little flat fashion-wise. It's like the end of resorts before couture, but then I felt like this week my Instagram was exploding. I feel like Men's Week got a lot more coverage. Yeah, I mean, Pharrell was kind of like where it started and... But then I didn't even know that Marc Jacobs was having a show. I felt so out of the loop. And then I feel like it just was sort of blinked and you miss it. Yeah. I was reminded by my email. I didn't put it in my calendar. And then oh, my I God. Go- Choma, your calendar <laughs> stresses me out so much. I RSVP'd to a Tears for Fears concert. <laughs> See? And I had to cancel on Saturday night because I remembered See? the Marc Jacobs I'm not show. the only one. Wow. Okay. And we have guests today. Introduce our guest. Oh, we gentlemen. do. Yes. <laughs> We're just assuming people can we see have, our friends. We, we have Nicole Phelps, our, a wonderful colleague who is global director of Vogue Runway. Hi, guys. And Jesse Heyman, who is our executive editor of Vogue.com. Mm-hmm. Hi. We're thrilled yes. to have uh, yes. these ladies in for a, uh, a morning Because we need help unpacking some of these things. There, were a lot, there was a lot happening. Well, so I have a question for Nicole and Choma, which is that, and I feel like I asked Choma this a lot. I don't understand why—I mean, other designers do this, too, but why does Mark get to show off-calendar? Why does he get to show his fall-winter collection in June when everyone else showed it in February? Do you remember in the early days of the pandemic when he was having, you know, the existential crisis? He had that incredible Carol Armitage uh, choreographed show in February 2020, and then the fashion system 
the show system collapsed. He had said at the time, if that's my last show, it's okay, because people were wondering, how do you do a show when, you know, COVID is 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 raging? And he came back. Carol Armitage is a choreographer? Uh, yes. Okay. A dancer. And uh, so he came back. I guess this is the third third year in a row he's shown in, in June. He is one of the few people who is sticking to the idea that he's going to do things differently. Okay. I mean, remember that? All the designers were getting together. They were writing letters. Mm. They had decided that they were going to try to put shows uh, closer to when the collections come to stores to increase desirability. The department stores have a lot of money on the off season. It's sort of when they the budget starts. Right. And by the time you get to September, they have less money for oh, lesser known designers. Uh, oh, Mark smart. Jacobs is a different story because he's only really retailing at Bergdorf Goodman right now. Okay. Mark does whatever he wants. But sure. I thought it was, you know, it was quite an impressive statement to make. I mean, we all got there. Yeah. It was at the New York Public Library. Which... the New York Public Library. He always... You know, for many years he was very late in showing, and now he's very punctual. So we all got there in advance of the Sorry, late as in the actual hour on the day, not late in the season, because I just feel no, like No, late in the hour about, of the day. Yeah. I mean, I think there was one show where he was two hours late. Right. So. And it, it was a nine o'clock show. Yeah. So, oh my God. Yeah, people that were. That is my nightmare. People were foaming at the mouth. So it was not, it was not Anna cute. stayed? Yeah, that's so not Anna friendly. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't, <laughs> but I think it was. He was, he did a nine o'clock show on Mondays for, for years and years and years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So in response to that, he now shows exactly at the time that he proposes. And this, that, this time this week was 7.30 on a Monday, which is really civilized. Wait, so the show itself was three minutes long? It was three minutes long. Choma and I were just finishing up a work chat. And we, <laughs> and then it was like... And the first finale walk happened. And then I realized we should probably start to- stop talking <laughs> and start focusing on the clothes. What is that about? Was that a statement of some sort? I mean, I loved Nicole's review, so I'm going to let Nicole kind Nicole, of... Nicole, can you summarize your review for us? For- well, I first want to say that he has done weird show setups before. I went back through my, you know, reviews. I've been reviewing him for a long time, and I think it was 2008 when he did a show uh, back to front. Like, the first first look was 56, and the last look was one. Uh, and he actually came out for his bow first. He huh. ran the show backwards. I don't think, I think that might have just been for fun. This to me felt, uh, he, you know, he, he did one finale walk. They came back and did another finale walk and he Can came out for, for his what bow. A finale walk is? Oh, usually the models walk out one by one. There's maybe a few seconds uh, between them. And then they come around at the end for a, a much quicker, much tighter walk. So you get sort to of see a them. Group parade. Right, a okay. second time around. And this time they all came out super fast. And like Choma said, it was literally, uh, three minutes and it was over. So the whole show sort of felt like a finale walk in a Two, way. Yes. And I just felt for Nicole instantly because I'm like, how do you review a show that you barely... Yeah, because did you get <laughs> well, to that's go part of the point. I think that was part of the point. He was making a point that we all consume so much on our phones. Mm. Uh, you can go look at the pictures on Vogue Runway and spend as much time as you want, which is how, truthfully, the majority of people see his shows anyways. But to me, uh, it did feel... And, and coupled with the fact that he had those AI-generated, chat GPT-generated oh, show notes, uh, it felt like a commentary uh, about uh, 
the way how we're sort of scrolling our, our lives away and consuming content, looking at pictures for a flash of a second. Um, you know, it's work that takes weeks or months to make. And maybe it was a way for him to say, slow down. So the show, the Mark Jacobs show was three minutes. What, for people who don't know, what is the typical run of show. We were talking about this yesterday because shows have become longer and longer affairs. I mean, Tom Brown's show is an average of 20 minutes. But 20 yeah. minutes. I would say the average show is, what would you say, 10? Like 10-ish, 10 yeah, to 15. 10 to 15. So three minutes, as you can imagine, right. is very un- very short. What uh, what was the fashion take from, from Mark? I just saw a lot of sort of exaggerated... Um, blazer shapes. It felt very 80s, didn't it? Yes, very 80s. And that's the that's the time where uh, Mark was coming of age in, in New York City. And I think he's always had a soft spot for, you know, the club life uh, of that time. Okay. Um, but yes, the, the show gave me... The hair was oh, Blade okay. Runner. Daryl yeah. Hannah's character. Oh my God, yeah. So good. There's a lot of, I think, sort of symbolism in that, in the Blade Runner-ish. We are living in Blade Runner yeah, that's uh, true. now. You know, the orange skies two weeks ago in New York. Uh, that's what I love about Mark. I feel I walk out of those shows and I'm, you know, we're thinking so much. We're breaking it down. And it's not about, like, a silhouette necessarily. Right. It's about what's going on in his, his head. What's he like to talk to Backstage, because I know every designer he doesn't is talk different. backstage he anymore. Doesn't? Oh my god, that's another he's such a another great. Thing. Because uh, you know, certain designers like I know, you know, Machia Prada. She, you know, and I've I've heard about the scene backstage when she. It used to speaks. be like that at Mark. Nicole, will you explain to people what show notes are and what purpose they serve? Because I thought that was sort of a fascinating. Uh, you know, right? Not every spin. brand, not every brand does it, but it's a way for a designer to to put out a mission statement and... Um, about each collection. About each collection. So they typically are sitting on the chairs when you go to a show. And uh, this one was, you know, we were told it was written by chat GPT. And so... And it, what was it like? Was it co- totally goofy? It was very bland yeah. in the way that okay. chat GPT is. No personality. Right. These very declarative yeah. sentences. All the sentences are sort of the same, you know, 15 words long. Because didn't Vetmont, Vetmont also this week... Did, I yeah, think. and then the next morning, Vetmont released its images, and they also had uh, show notes um, that were purportedly uh, written by... I sort of forgot about Vetmall. Who AI. does Vetmall now? Guram Vasalia, okay. who is Demna's brother. Oh, yeah. huh, I didn't even know that. All right. Yeah. The things you learn on the runway. The yeah. run-through. <laughs> 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 on the runway and on the we almost, we almost forgot about Jacques Mousse, which was a completely different Well, affair. I mean, I sort of feel like they were great, um, yeah. like, uh, yin to yang of each right. other. So it was like the super Instagrammable extravaganza versus the... Three minutes, you blink and you miss sigh, I know. So tell us, Nicole, what was your take from afar on that show? I think all of fashion looks at that and thinks, wow, this is a guy who's been in the business for, you know, 10-ish years, and he is pulling off these Instagrammable shows on the level of an LVMH or a Caring. Don't ask me where the money comes from. (laughs) I want to know, Nicole. Somebody was asking me about, was it you? It was me. Okay, yes. Choma, every episode is like, someone was just telling me. I'm like, it was me. (laughs) 
let's be clear, like his price point is really accessible. So That's a lot great. Of, that was, I mean, that can't no, be. No, but I think, I mean, the bags have sold. I mean, like, look at, there are other independent designers who have, who have who use that model and selling selling bags at a reasonable price point, and then he's done it. And his accessories and his clothes are generally pretty, you know, they're they're, they're affordable, and it kind of syncs up to the audience that he's targeting. So I think that I'm agree. Also, that I'm just, just fascinated by the because it's like Bureau Batak does it. It's it's a real. It's like the same level as yeah. Dior. I think that Bureau Batak and and Versailles, like everybody wants a a piece of the hottest thing at the mm. moment. And right. I think Jacques Mousse has been for the last few years, and you know that's something that he actually hinted at to Jose, who who wrote the review uh, that it's the beginning of a longer term relationship with Versailles and. Oh. Uh, uh, his CEO, Jacques Mousse's CEO, said that, um, you know, Versailles needs young people as much as, you know, no, Vogue that was needs young people yeah. and mm. as much as, you know, any any market or any brand needs young people. And I've so never it's been to, to Versailles. I've always wanted to go, but well, let's never go time. next season. Yeah, let's you do should, it. Well, you'll go for Jacques Mousse yeah. next season. <laughs> tried to go in between a day and couldn't make it. But yeah, you kind of need a bit of time. So, you know what we should talk about is... Led Borelli Pearson's piece, which is called Quiet Luxury is a Dupe. Here's why. So Led wrote this really great piece just calling out quiet luxury for what it is, which is basically minimalism 3.0, you know, and it's just minimalism by a different name, but... You know, and it can be a little bit frustrating when you're when you have the kind of fashion knowledge that Laird has. She she connects the dots. She knows exactly. And so Nicole, you too, you've been at you you saw minimalism 1.0. I did. So so I think it's a little frustrating, but for you know people who have that kind of knowledge to not, to have these new terms come into the the culture that are basically you know code name for another thing. Yeah, but everything old is new again, and it's just about rebranding. Yeah. It's totally rebranding. Yeah. She said that once in passing, quiet luxury is a dupe. And I said, oh, yes, you have to write that story because that is a headline. <laughs> yes. That is the yeah. kind of headline we like. Declarative headlines. The internet likes a declarative headline. And, you know, it, it's, it's uncanny to look at the pictures that she found to yeah. see, the, right. see the similarities. Uh, but it's true that, you know, designers keep going back to this stream down, stream down look. You know, we saw it in the 90s, Helmut Lang being the avatar of that. Phoebe Philo came back at Celine in 2010. And now we but have— But who's the leader of this? Who's the Helmut or Phoebe of this resurgence? Is it I, just I think the Rowe, Roy? The, yeah, the, the Olsen sisters the okay. are very— very, uh, you know, Logan Roy is more of a Lueve guy, we know now. <laughs> we also have a little theory at Runway, which is that, uh, you know, it's a, it's also a dupe because if you go out on the streets of New York, quiet luxury is not happening. I think it's the summer of underwear. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think the Mew Mew show is so influential because yes, I walk on the streets yes. and girls are basically wearing underwear and everyone has their major I mean, I'm wearing a see-through skirt. Like it's, and I, I just yeah. would never have done that two years ago. I still have a—I'm a slip addict, and I love having a slip, and I, I still don't feel quite comfortable with having—yeah, but— I love that. I love. I love what you're doing. Thank you. We, we still have to get you doing the the underwear is outerwear story. You still oh have to God. do that. Pantless. I want you to. Well, do that. Well, I actually just I re- recently we rewatched the uh, 
Sarah just the Sex in the City when she's wearing the coat and the panties, oh, and I was like, "This is the two trends: coats and panties for night." Yeah, it's the best. Um, yeah. the best. It's one of the I best. I want you episodes to do more of, of a Winnie the Pooh, though. I feel like you should just do a long shirt, no pants. I <laughs> saw, I saw, <laughs> I saw a young woman wear basically like Y fronts, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's it's happening! It's happening!" I mean, the boxer shorts to me, yeah, were more an, of an easy kind of easy easy to digest at least for me easy to digest but like I'm like whoa were you oh such a cute look oh my god I want to see pictures of Nicole in the 80s I love it I saw one of the one that you posted with your husband which was so good that wasn't 80s that was was 20 years ago thank you Nicole the run through will be back in just a moment I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills, or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes, and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I feel like there's been a big TV week. Everyone's talking about The Idol being canceled, even though apparently it was always just five episodes. And The Bear is back with everyone cavelling over Jeremy Allen White and his white t-shirts. Um, <laughs> and of course, we had episode three of And Just Like That. Yeah, And we have our Vogue colleague, Jesse Heyman here. Jesse is... The executive editor of Vogue.com. We invited Jessie on because she's basically the biggest Sex and the City fan ever. Seriously, ever. She's, she's the a, Sex and the City Wikipedia. Oh, uh, like a thousand percent. <laughs> How many times have you watched it, Jessie? 
figure unknown. I mean, I just, really? I, well, not because I would restart it again. I honestly <laughs> do not feel like I could even do an accounting. I think it just got me young. So what do you, yeah, so did when, you watch yeah. it in real time? I watched it. Child? That's the thing. I was a child. I was a very under supervised child. Yeah, that was too young. It's way, too young. way too young. But it like got me at my most. How old were spongy. you when it started? 10. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, mom. No, I mean like, but truly I just like. Wow. I know, it was not great, but it did inform my personality, and I think that's the reason why I feel like it's so—the material is so closely held for me. Wait, so Jesse, what are your thoughts on the first three episodes of And Just Like That? Um, You know, I don't think it's a good show, but I do— wow. I mean, it's not a good show, but I do really enjoy it. The way I think about it is it's like pizza. Even if it's bad, it's it's still good. You know Thin crust mean? like Che Diaz. <laughs> yeah, it just I am so excited to be back in this world, even if it's yeah. a kind of like, you know, uh, imposter of what it used to be. I don't know. I'm sort of into it this season. Tell I think me it's why. really gaining its momentum. I feel like it's sort of back to these micro plots in the way that I loved Sex and the City was. Hmm. I feel like they had to do so much work last season to sort of reestablish everything and bring in these new characters, and now they can sort of. I don't know. I just I love that there's an entire purse plot point. With mm-hmm. the Birkin. Also, but that's, that's insane. Yeah. There's but, no way that Birkin was there for four well, days. It's not even just that. I know. We, we, we're literally just doing a story about that. Let's explain. So basically, I guess Seema, who is the queen of quiet luxury on the, the show. Sh- the chicest broker in the whole world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So she walks out of her apartment, her Upper East Side apartment, I yeah. imagine it is. And she's wearing this quiet luxury look. She's carrying a, a, a caramel-colored ostrich Birkin. And it being New York, a thief comes along and snatches her purse. And most, I think there is, it echoes of one in Sex and the City. Yeah, right? definitely. Right? Yeah. To me, it was such a kind of weird callback of what the famous episode where Carrie was robbed of her Manola Blahniks. And he goes, give me your fucking Blahniks. And she's oh, like, right. no, I got these half price at a sample sale, please, sir. And then she's like, meets Miranda. like a Oh, hair, and the hot cop. The hot cop, yeah. And I was, it actually, for me, was such a weird, like, I feel like it invited a comparison that it didn't need. And I feel like the show's often doing this. Like, if they're thinking about this as a new chapter, but still a continuation of the universe, like, don't you think Carrie would have been like, oh, God, that happened to me, too? You know, some sort of signal that this is like, these are still the same characters, and yet it feels like they're totally... Well, also, and then her young jewelry designer neighbor gets robbed at her sh- at her. Oh yeah, that was yeah. show. Yeah. And the I was like, thing- this doesn't happen in Brian. I don't get this. Like, it, there's no way oh, there's fifty does. people around and security guards. I mean, I think it's clear that it also showed that the show was in production at a different time in New York, and how quickly, like, you know, even the COVID plotline doesn't feel as sort of um, present as it does now. And it's it seems that the thieves are not as savvy about fashion as they used to be. If the guy's asking for her Manolos, which I thought was so funny, and so this time, funny. this time that she finds her bag like four days later, yeah, just lying in kind of a ditch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, that was just so very implausible, implausible to yeah. me. But I felt very good for her because knowing how much those things cost. Mm-hmm. Is and Oof. basically the Rolexes of you know f- right and everyone knows that it's a, a bag worth having and selling yeah, yeah. you know and it's really they're really difficult to buy mm-hmm. you have to be invited to buy one mm-hmm. you know they don't they only make a lim- they make a limited amount every year I doubt the thief knew that but yeah yeah <laughs> Wearing how much is a, a Birkin like that. Did that five thief. figures at least? Yeah, five I figures. It, yeah. The thief should have known that. The I mean, what thief known. doesn't know that? That's my question. I know. So there was three. a lot of fashion in episode yeah. three. She like carries very sad when she's reading her audiobook about Big, mm-hmm. and okay. so she 
um, deals with that by faking COVID and buying six enormous bags from Bergdorf's. Mm -hmm. And the big shoe she unwraps is the Loewe balloon shoe. Which I love. I, d- I don't understand how you wear that shoe. It looks so so much weight on your the front of your I foot. Lo- I love an absurdist, surrealist shoe. Like, I like the Can one— Can you describe that, what it looks like? It has basically—it's like a strappy high heel sandal. But then there's this kind of deflated balloon. I, I'm not sure whether what it's made of. Is it made of— it, Polyurethane. And it looks very sculptural. It gives—it's giving a little bit of a— Jeff an Koons. Art, a Jeff Koons moment. A deflated Jeff Koons. And I just think it looks so... F- I mean, like, where can't you... You, you have know, to have fun with shoes. I'm into the Aid, Aiden return. Which- I think I was more big than Aiden in the of end. Course. but In the I end. Mean, the line that I hated that Aiden said is, like, remember when she was like, what's... Why are you so easy? And he's like, let's get you a donut. I'm like, no one would say that. No yeah, one would that, ever that, say that's that. That's girl's yeah. face right now. It's just yeah, a horror. No, yeah, no. <laughs> like, no one would just be like, let me ply you with a like donut. like a non-sequitur. Yeah, like, totally. Fuck, let's get yeah. you a donut. What? <laughs> yeah. Who's your favorite um, guest-starring male? Ooh, good question. Justin Theroux was, because he played two different guys on it, and they were like, and he was like, look, if you were an actor in New York City (laughs) in those periods, like, you were being subbed in. It's like a witness in Law & Order. Like, everyone's coming through. (laughs) Okay, so I think that the funniest one is Bon Jovi, definitely. I know. Bon Jovi, so weird. Bon Jovi was amazing. I like John His Slattery. hair looked amazing. Oh, John Slattery is so great. That was great. I also like, love the Burger storyline. I find him, I don't know. His oh, name. I love Burger. Ron Livingston. Ron Livingston, there we go. Um, but no, it's probably, I think John Slattery is the best, but mm. yeah, Bon Jovi is the funniest to me. Yeah, Bon Jovi's. And just that therapist plot line was so fun. Mm-hmm. It was. Are you a Carrie? Are you a Charlotte? Are you a Miranda? I used to think when it was in its original iteration that I was a Miranda. Now I feel like I'm Harry Goldenblatt. <laughs> <laughs> we should all be so lucky. I, feel, oh, I, feel, I love him. I feel like I'm I just like, him. no, Rihanna. You know? <laughs> that was hilarious. You know, I'm just kind of like the me, the me, the clueless and wearing a top hat and complaining. It's <laughs> just... Oh, my God. Charlotte and her Burberry um, uh, apron. I was like, well, if Quiet Luxury needed any counterpoint, it's Charlotte with her Burberry dog poop bag and Burberry apron. Oh, my God. Apron. They're doing her so dirty fashion-wise. It's real. It's, they're doing it's, Miranda the most dirty. Yeah. Like, I don't want to of her. Like, I like so Miranda so Stumbling out. Have we gone to the bar where she stumbles out of the the, sat, the, the bar? Yes. Yes. Whew. Like, yes. Well, actually, that happened. I read an interview that that happened to Michael Patrick King. He was in that actual sound bath in L.A. and got salt water in his eye mm. and like was like banging around. And it, he said it was very funny. And then he was like, this is Miranda's L.A. journey. Oh, oh we didn't talk oh. about how that's like the end of the podcast. Uh, uh, yeah, totally. The podcast po- moment. <laughs> podcast bubble is burst by Carrie because she won't talk about her vagina. I do feel like it is, <laughs> no, kind, of, I was like, it is wow. kind of crazy. Like Carrie Bradshaw is supposed to be a sex columnist. She is such. A wuss and a prude. She's the like, prim- she's talk the about douching. Yeah, and just, keep your podcast on there. She, I know. All these I people lost weird. their jobs because she wouldn't knows talk about her. Always talks about douching constantly to get this th- this baby produced. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing I will not sell. <laughs> like and just like that, Carrie feels much more like Sarah Jessica Parker to me. Like what I understand Sarah Jessica Parker to be, which is like very mannered, very prim, very principled, and Carrie, yeah. which was a lot more like. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah. sharp-tongued at the yeah. very least. Even right. if she True wasn't enough. crude or, like, didn't talk about, yeah. like, any kind of sex in, ex- in an explicit way, 
She was very direct. Yeah. And she was funny. And there's just not a lot of humor there. And I think that's yeah. what I miss. Right. Fair enough. And Just Like That is very fun for me to revisit, but it does just make me really, like, yearn for the original, which was—but yeah. it can never—I don't know. I do feel like it's quite a tall order for for uh, SJP and Michael Patrick King to try to, like, return to such hallowed ground. I mean, it's, it's so important to so many people, and, like, it just—how can you— you kind of had to make it a new thing. You have to uncouple them. Totally. I would definitely recommend you're like emotionally. You're like, Jesse, let go of the let, original. Let go of the original. Because know. you can't. They're two know, separate right. things. They're in different moments of their lives. Like right. It's a different <laughs> thing. Like I'm totally fine with that. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank that you was so, so much for funny. having you. A was... delight. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> what a way to start a Thursday morning. And Seriously. just like that. And just like that. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of The Run Through with Vogue. The Run Through with Vogue is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. The show is produced by Susie Lechtenberg, Chelsea Daniel, and Alex John Burns. It's engineered by Jake Loomis and Gabe Kiroga, and mixed by Mike Kutchman. See you next week for Couture Week. Bye. Oh, yes. And wear your fancy clothes. <laughs> or not. We won't see him. <laughs> you won't see ours either. <laughs> Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier. And you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru. And you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. 